All right, here we go. Take like 92. Hello, Substackers. It is so good to talk to y'all. I guess I didn't have to say take 92. There's no reason for y'all to know. I have tried to start this recording like three or four times. I got a frog in my throat. I don't know the etymology behind frog in throat, but that's what I got. But I'm so, dude, I'm so happy to be talking to y'all. I feel, uh, I feel finally like a large weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I mean, you know, it's still partially there because, uh, you know, as they say, well, when, when, you're, when you're going through some things, uh, you have to like sh- uh, shut the world down and then you forget that uh, all those other things that you had going on, well, they're still uh, there when you get back, but you're happy to, you're happy to get back and, <laughs> and take care of them. But I'm so happy to be back talking to y'all. I won't bore you with the details of everything that happened, but I will tell you that everybody is fine. Everybody is totally fine. It was very scary there for a minute, but everybody is totally fine. I'll tell you, at 36 years old, which I know, you know, depending on how old you are, that is either, uh, you know, not old at all, which I know in the grand scheme of things, it ain't. Uh, or to you know any of my younger substackers listening, that's ancient. Because, <laughs> good lord, man, I remember, you know, when I was a kid watching episodes of Friends and hearing that like Ross and Rachel had just turned thirty, I was like, oh my lord, you know. But now, looking back on that, I'm like, they're but suckling babes. But what thirty six is, I've found it is the age where you have kids but are also in a way kind of starting to take care of your parents a little bit so you're pulling double duty and also it's kind of the age where your body doesn't completely fall apart but the check engine light starts to come on more often you know again not going to bore you with any more details about my cholesterol but it's really the time when if you were a party animal like I was through my all of my 20s and most of my 30s, you really got to start taking care of yourself a lot more. So I find myself taking care of three generations of Forster men all at the same time when not that long ago I was taking care of zero generations of Forster men, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's like I found, at 36, I spend all of my time either at the hospital with parents or friends' parents or grandparents or, unfortunately, at the funeral home with, you know, the same group of people which don't hit. And I know y'all are like, yeah, I swear to God, every time we talk to you, you're either at the damn funeral home or at the hospital. And it's true. And I've talked about this. I don't know if at length... I certainly would like to talk about it at length, either in an essay or on a podcast or something, about my thoughts on which they've shifted over the years. Because the the being at funeral homes, like the the being at the hospital all the time, that one actually is kind of a it's been more frequent as I've aged, which is natural. But the funeral home one, that has actually unfortunately been a constant in my life, and. I attribute a lot of it to, well, number one, I had very, very old grandparents, you know, 
um, there was just a lot of old people in my life, like more so than than uh, than a lot of my friends. Like my my granny was 68 when I was born, so she just was always, you know, old to me. And she had uh, of the 12 brothers and sisters that she had, like eight of them was alive when I was a kid. So like, we just just a lot of funerals, you know. But also, and not to be a bummer, just to be a realist, like, you know, I was born and raised chalk smack dab if that's a phrase in the uh opioid epidemic and so i've been a pallbearer at more than i'd like to admit share or count you know it's just a thing so point is if i don't start writing all this hospital and funeral material down and uh start working on a sitcom about either one i'm sort of wasting my damn time <laughs> and it's all just glum Glum's a word, right? Grim? I know grim's a word. Glum sounds like a more fun grim, I think. If I was trying to pitch a funny show about grim, I'd call it glum, I think. But it hasn't been all that bad of a week. I'm not going to lie to you. For any football fans, I'll make this brief because I know there's not a horde of you. Uh, because, I, yes, I can check the download numbers on uh, Pigskin Picnic for Paul. I know a lot of you are sitting there saying, well, Corey, you said the podcast is only for Paul, so we don't listen. And I do appreciate you being obedient little substackers. <laughs> uh, but Sunday, I was able to watch the Super Bowl, which I did not think was going to be able to happen uh, because I was just 100% convinced I was going to test positive for COVID after having been at the hospital all day Friday. But nay, 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 I did not. And uh, yeah, I went over to my buddy Robbie's. And we laid down a nice four-leg parlay, which I never do well on parlays. And uh, before y'all start thinking I'm a gambling addict, our, uh, our podcast, Putting On Airs, is sponsored by DraftKings. And they gave me some free DraftKings uh, money to bet with this year. And I exclusively used their money to turn it into my money. And I hit this fucking huge parlay, y'all, on the last play of the game and it was like the exact amount of money that I need for these lenses that I wanted to buy for my camera so that I can work on this uh, short film <laughs> that I want to do so it was like I don't know it was like a sign from the fake lord it was really cool it was like exactly what I needed I was like all right it was one of those moments where uh you know uh, uh you're feeling so unlucky that you're like, something's got to give, so I laid down the bet. Like, a lot of times you're feeling super lucky, so you lay down the bet, but then sometimes you're just like, man, I've had a shit week. Surely I'm going to get a bone thrown to me. And I did. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I hope you all enjoyed the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm happy to report that they only showed Taylor Swift for 58 seconds. So um, all of the uh, Donald Trump schlong liquors can hush if they can even count to 58 the first half absolutely sucked i had one of my bets that i laid down which was not a lot of money uh because the odds were you know plus four thousand i had uh oh god i can't remember who it was that i had i bet that he would score the first touchdown usually that's a fun bet to pick because you're going to get an instantaneous payoff. Like in the Super Bowl, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll bet on the first touchdown score. That'll pay off in two minutes. It didn't pay off to almost the second half. It was insane. But then, 
you know, the two best teams in the country made it worth it in the second half, and it was bananas, uh, one of the greatest finishes of all time. Hope you all enjoyed it. The Super Bowl halftime show I thought was awesome, but, you know, that was, like, specifically built for my generation. Like, uh, dude, me and my friends, I don't know about y'all, but, dude, as soon as Lil John came out, as soon as Ludacris came out, I mean, I about pulled a hamstring, y'all. Like, I was, because, dude, yeah, that song, that still gets me fired up, dude. I don't know. Like, I could be in the middle. I honestly think that it could be my own funeral, and if you played that, I'd at least wiggle in the casket. I don't know if it'd bring me full back to life, but I think I'd wiggle. It'd move a little bit, you know. So that was fun being with family and friends. Hope y'all got to be with them. I hope you've had a good uh, work week so far this week, if that is a thing that's possible. Man, John Stewart's back on uh, on the Daily Show, dude. And I got to tell you, that is some nostalgia that I was ready for. I haven't watched the Daily Show in a very, very long time. And that's nothing against Trevor Noah. That's just because I don't really watch TV. You know what I mean? Like, I watch the clips. I watch every clip of Roy Wood Jr. because Roy's a buddy of mine. And Roy always brings it. You know what I mean? Uh, frankly, and I think I'm probably in the majority on this, uh, Roy, they should have just handed him the keys to the castle. They should have said, Roy, you're the new host. Um, it seems like an obvious no-brainer choice. I don't know what they were thinking there. Um, but bringing Jon Stewart back, if it's just on Mondays, whatever, I do think that's kind of a smart decision because that's must-see TV for me, man, because, like, Dude, Indecision 2000 and Indecision 2004. So I was 13 and 17, respectively, when that went down. And those are, like, Jon Stewart is the single reason that I give a shit about politics. And I won't say that he's the reason that I... I can't say that he's the reason that I I have the politics that I do, but I'll say that he's the reason that I know what they are, if that makes sense. Like, because I didn't know, like, I don't know, where, where I'm from, uh, before, the, you know, this is kind of weird, like, I say, I'm saying it very tongue-in-cheek. Dude, before Obama, everybody around here was, like, super apolitical. Like, I didn't really know what conservative or democrat really meant because like do people around here i feel like they were just as likely to vote for clinton or doyle like they were kind of just like fuck them all you know we've talked about this at length like in our old book the liberal redneck manifesto dragging dixie out of the dark not to plug we've sold enough copies but if you ain't read it go ahead it is a good one um people didn't talk about who they voted for but like even if they did it was always fairly respectful and like i remember the debates back then nobody was really that ugly and like i never saw like i had friends that their parents voted for different people and like they never fought over it i never heard my parents be like we don't hang out with them because they vote for so and so or whatever like dude my dad and his dad voted for different people and it never even got brought up at the dinner table like it was just a different world you know what i mean but i did always know just I've talked about this before whether it be in podcasts or essays or whatever I knew that I was that I felt different than a lot of people because of the church you know like uh the church very much started showing their colors <clears throat> and aligning with the GOP the Southern Baptist Convention and them uh 
had their you know backdoor handshake uh whether you know with the reagan administration and bush administration or whatever and like i just started seeing some nastiness within our church and it was really illuminated for me i might not i might not have paid attention to it because i didn't pay attention to a lot in church and it was really illuminated for me though because all of my cousins like every cousin that i have is black i got my my aunt uh, my mom's sister has black kids and they came to church with us and so some things that were said they didn't come to church with us all the time mind you that that is why when they did come to church with us some things really stood out when it happened you know what I mean they some things that were said from the pulpit and um and I've talked about it before, so I won't, I won't go into the story. Um, if, you, if y'all, it's a long, it's kind of a long story. If a bunch of y'all comment and say we've never heard it, I'll talk about it on the next one. But we got up, left, and uh, never went back to that church. And, and so my point is, is like, I knew that I'd, whatever the, I was like, whatever these people are, however they vote, I'm the opposite of that. And then I st- Comedy Central was my, fucking safe place dude because I wanted to be a comedian I'd wanted to be a comedian since I was dude fuck it I gotta tell the story because there's gotta be at least one person on here that hadn't heard it here's what happened this was right after (laughs) 9-11 it all begins at 9-11 and we're sitting at church and so I'm in 8th grade I guess my sister would have been in 6th grade and my cousin's uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna say their names just because they don't give a shit. But I don't know. It's just weird. I don't. I want people like trying to look them up or make them feel any type of way. The two oldest ones, who are my age, they're sitting besides me, and the youngest one, he's a couple years younger than my sister, so he's actually like on his knees coloring and sitting kind of beside my sister. They've got the projector pr- projection screen on, and they're showing some stuff about 9/11, right? And Anyways, it was like this study that they were showing about how 9-11 was like going to affect society and stuff like that. And how 9-11 was like going to affect us mentally and affect the children. And there was stuff about the Patriot Act and all this shit. And I don't remember who this person's name was. I really wish that I did. But I was only half paying attention, dude. Because, again, I'm in 8th grade and they're talking about some fucking geopolitical psychology shit i was in it's football season (laughs) you know what i'm saying i didn't give a fuck like i'm 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 uh i'm confident enough in myself now to tell you that there was a time when i was stupid and didn't give a fuck about shit like that thought it was quote unquote gay but there was a lady and i the only thing i can remember about her she was some sort of ivy league professor and she was black right and she was talking about how basically, you know, the children that were exposed to 9-11 will never live in, in the same world again. Like, this, they will grow up in a completely different world than the people who had childhoods, you know, pre-9-11 or whatever. Anyways, either that was the end of the tape or the preacher stopped the tape right there. And this is what he said verbatim because not only did I hear it but this story has been retold in my family a bunch since the preacher got up behind the pulpit 
and he said, Now that lady, even though she was black, I agreed with everything that she said. Right? That's what he said. My mom and dad looked at each other. They looked at me. All of us were half paying attention. Luckily, like my cousins didn't really hear it. Because like I said, we were like half paying attention. My younger cousin definitely didn't. They looked at us. They said, get your stuff. We got up. And we never went to that church again. Now, if you want to understand or try to wrap your brains around the duality of the human experience, my parents also voted for Trump and will again. But that is neither here nor there. Any who's it. <laughs> Any who's it. This is very early in my... Like, 9-11 was my... And it's, you know, I've told y'all many times about the script I've been trying to hammer out about the last childhood. It was when I feel like if 9-11 didn't happen, that who knows when I would have woken up politically or, and I still don't consider myself a mature person by any means, but I think I'd be even less mature if it wasn't for 9-11 because like we were all forced in that moment to go, oh shit, bad things can happen. But because of Jon Stewart and The Daily Show, which I started watching a lot because I was already watching Comedy Central anyways because, do people nowadays don't understand how big of a deal Comedy Central was, especially for somebody like me who knew I wanted to be a comedian at five and it's like, that's the comedy channel. There's no such thing as Netflix. There's no such thing as you have cable and this is Comedy Central. And it literally was. It was the center of comedy. And here I am, a fucking teenager, giving a shit about politics. But guess what? That's the only politics I consumed was The Daily Show and later The Colbert Report. And looking back, I genuinely believe I was as informed as if I had watched anything else. Because I go back and look at clips of those times and like... Dude, they were joke heavy, but the news was there. Dude, the news was there. And I watched uh, the, the clips from, uh, from Stuart this week. The news was there, man. The news was there. And I think that's great. And again, I think that, that they should ultimately just let Roy host. But like, uh, regardless of how you feel about Jon Stewart coming back, like the importance of him on a generation of young people cannot be overstated. And like... Again, man, I think knowing me now is enough, but if you knew me as a fucking 13 and 17-year-old, knowing that I willingly watched election coverage at 11 o'clock every goddamn night, I mean, followed by South Park, or no, was South Park the lead-in? I can't remember. That would make the most sense, for sure. Yeah, South Park was the lead-in because Colbert, or was Reno 911 the lead-in? It don't matter. I was definitely already on Comedy Central, but I didn't turn the fucking channel, and I was there for the Colbert Report, too. And, as a 13-year-old, 100% knew what satire was, knew that the Colbert Report was shtick and loved it, which was insane because so many grown people <laughs> did not understand that. And, you know, perhaps if I wasn't an aspiring comedian and student of the game, I wouldn't have known either. But, like, and by the way, uh, talk about being in a completely different class. Colbert is one of one. But, like, were it not for Jon Stewart 
in Colbert, I mean, gerrymander doesn't exist. Gerryman- like, dude, gerrymander is a direct result of the Colbert report. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's, it's not like gerrymander is going to go down in the zeitgeist of comedy, but gerrymander has absolutely helped pay my mortgage while I've been uh, a stay-at-home dad and not on the road as much. So, like, my debt to these guys personally is, you know, immeasurable. Well, that's not true. I can measure it in how much my mortgage is, but you get what I'm saying. Anyways, I said all that to say this. Um, Nostalgia's fun, and I've needed it this week. And I'm personally very thrilled to see Jon Stewart on my television again. I hope you are too. If you're not, that's cool too. We don't have to argue about it. Um, I understand he definitely said some things that uh, some people disagree with. I'll have to go watch the whole thing. Hell, he probably said some things I disagree with too. You know, everybody can't bat a thousand. Uh, it's a, that's a we- and that's a weird ask. <laughs> that's a weird ask to ask of somebody sometimes when i post videos online people will uh quote tweet them and they will say something to the effect of this guy never misses and i'm like "Ooh, that's scary that's a scary thing to say about someone you know that's a scary thing to put on me this guy never misses because it insinuates that when i do you're done. You're done with me. I'm not allowed to miss. You know what I mean? Which is bullshit because Major League Baseball players can strike out seven out of ten times and still get in the Hall of Fame. Anyways, glad to be back ranting at you. I'll see y'all later. I love y'all. And remember, you can pick up some fine merchandise at CoreyShirts.com. Love y'all. Thanks for paying the $5 a month. It really helps keep the lights on around here. Love you. Bye-bye.